coming in as Bloom. Millendike centered it. Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This hour of Flames Talk is underway. It is Wednesday, February 28th. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media. My name is Pat Steinberg. Welcome to the Sports Drive brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution. We are officially underway in Mika Kiprasov week. And that's what we're going to focus on for the first half of this hour on Flames Talk. Really want to hear from you and really want to kind of kick off some of the reminiscing and, and some of the conversations surrounding the guy who's going to get his jersey retired and have that number 34 raised to the Raptors on Saturday night prior to a Flames game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. In just a second, going to hear from current Flames goaltender Jacob Markstrom, who is the first guy since Mika that has solidified that spot as a bona fide high-end number one goalie. And he's having another Vesda Trophy quality season between the pipes, his second in the last three years. But text lines open at 960-960. And just would love to, uh, and, and we'll, we'll probably do more of this as the week goes along, but just would love to hear from you if you're listening live. Just kind of your, as, as you reflect back and as this guy's about to have his number uh, raised to the rafters and, and immortalized in Calgary. It's kind of your your reflections on Mika Kiprasov's time, that period of time from 04 to 13, uh, when he got here, what he meant, post-cup run, all that type of stuff. Would love to hear from you at 960-960. Wes and I will share some of our thoughts. Because, Wes, we'll go uh, inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local, find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op Wine Spirits beer today. You know, for you and I, we were in the city and in Southern Alberta and probably going through college. I don't know exactly your college years, but I would imagine they're right around the same as mine. Yeah. As the Red Mile was exploding and the 2004 Cup run was beginning. And that was as we were just getting our feet wet in this stupid industry that we're now a part of. And and then started to work our way up. And so both you and I caught the, from a full-time media standpoint, caught the back half of Mika Kiprasov's time as a member of the Flames. I started kind of fringe covering the Flames in 07-ish. Okay. Uh, so playoffs 07, I think, was the first time I started fringe covering the Flames and, and was able to work my way up to where we are now. And so that good chunk of Mika Kiprasov's time, but not like Francis, right? Like Eric Francis was in the teeth of it from the beginning uh, and right until the end. Not like... Some of the others, like, you know, Rob Kerr, Peter Marr, like these were in the teeth of it. Yeah. I came in and, and was really full-time on it in the back half of Mika Kiprasov's time here, which kind of, I think, gives you and I, because we started right around the same time doing this thing full-time, kind of gives you and I an, uh, a unique perspective because we went from being kind of on the outside and in that fan conversation to then being in the privileged jobs that we have now and, and being able to cover this sport for a living. I, I think it, it's a very different perspective than somebody that was 
on the outside the entire time or somebody who covered it the entire time. Yeah. It, it, it kind of gives a, a different perspective from, from everybody. Uh, you know, I, I'll just tell this quick story, one of the few that I remember from my college days, because you mentioned, you know, we were in college when Mika arrived. and Man, You were in the wrong college. but It was still a college then, but at least one of them has been upgraded to a university. <laughs> so, look at. I, I know who I cheer for every every Crowchild Classic. That's I didn't even I didn't go to either of the schools, but I will cheer for the University of Calgary in the Crowchild Classic all day, every day. As a young Mount Royal University student, college, I had an opportunity to head to the Saddle Dome one day, and and I was still a student, and I'd asked to come down and just see how the the media quotient worked. Or, and I was actually, you know, at that point, you're you're not focused in on just writing or just broadcast or whatever. I, I was actually doing an assignment for a photography course, and it was a day in the life assignment. And so I did a a day in the life photography with Gus Thorson, the old Flames equipment manager. And I'll never forget this. I didn't think much of it at the time, but. I was there taking photos uh, of Gus at work that day, and Daryl Sutter walked in with a set of goalie pads with teal accents, I guess would be the right way to put it, and in not so many words, told Gus to make sure that the teal was covered for Mika Kiprasov's debut. That was Mika Kiprasov's first day. He'd He'd arrived in a trade the previous day. He'd just gotten to the Saddle Dome, Daryl saw the teal on his gear and brought it in. And I watched Gus cover it with hockey tape for the first little while. Any teal became black on Kiprasov's gear. And so that was my very first sort of introduction. I don't think I even saw Mika that day, but that I'll never forget being there the day after a trade that, I mean, it's not hyperbole to say that that deal altered the course of the Flames franchise. the franchise for a decade. No questions yeah. asked. Uh, so funny. I so I was at at uh, Sate, um, whose job placement record is impeccable in this uh, in in this city. Um, so I was I was uh, at. You... I'm gonna stop. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> look at this rivalry. I remember one of the times at the Crowchild Classic, the UFC kids chanting MRC. I was like, okay, that's funny. Yeah. That's well done. Anyway, I digress. Uh, I had an opportunity to go down the, at the time, Windsport didn't exist. Uh, there weren't a lot of really good, I think Westside still didn't exist at the time. So in 2003, spring of 2003, uh, it was my second year at SAIT. And, and when you're in the broadcasting program at SAIT, like the second year is like your big year, right? That's when you're going through like simulations. Like it's your last year, isn't it's your, it? Yeah. It's your last, hey, easy. <laughs> you were there at MR. How many years did you go? Two years? Four. Were you actually four yeah. years? Yeah, huh? anyway, go on. Congratulations on your degree. Uh, so they practiced at SAIT because at the time... The state arena at the campus center, which doesn't currently exist anymore, but the state arena was one of the best locker room facilities outside the Saddle Dome. So the Flames came to practice at state. So me and a few others who were in the program at the same time were like, we got to go cover this thing like for our radio station. It's the coolest thing ever. I like here I am uh, at the time I would have been 18 year old Pat wasn't even 19 yet. And I remember, um, Getting the opportunity, like Peter Hanlon, 
VP of communications then, still VP of communications now, best in the business. Peter Hanlon was so good to us, and he wouldn't even remember this, but he gave anybody I wanted to talk to, he's like, yeah, absolutely, come on and talk to this guy. He was so good to us. And so, God, I like I, I recorded a bunch of things where like Jerome Ginla was saying, "Hey, this is Jerome Ginla, and you're listening to Pat Steinberg on State Campus Radio." And Conroy, <laughs> Conroy couldn't read it. Conroy screwed it up like seven times. I have him swearing at Dave Lowry on like it's it was the greatest thing. Ginla nailed it in one shot. Like Rhett Warner was the nicest guy. I remember I I asked him about playing in Florida. He's like, "Oh, well, you know, you're hot." Like everybody was so nice. Anyway, I digress. Kiprasov wasn't on the team at the time. And I remember coming away from there being like, oh, yeah, I got a good buzz about the Flames. This is the year they're going to snap their seven-year playoff drought. And then, you know, it was, it, was a rough, it was a rough start because Roman Turek was struggling between the pipes, and they needed to solve their goaltending issue. This was Daryl Sutter's first full year as head coach and general manager. He was actually he, – he came in as head coach and then got promoted to GM a few months later – and he was like, no, we're getting to the playoffs. Like, yeah. this, this, that, That's what I'm here for. And then he went out and got this guy. And I, the, the, the thing I remember most is Kiprasov was always in the front of my mind because at the time San Jose was a, a high-end team. And they had this, they remember it was Vesa Toskala, Evgeny Nabokov, and, and Mika Kiprasov. And they, it was like a goaltending farm. Mm-hmm. And so when they, I remember reading the hockey news. Everybody's like, don't forget about this Kiprasov guy, this this Finnish guy who played in Sweden, uh, who's kind of buried on the depth chart, playing in Kentucky. It's like, don't forget about this guy. So when the Flames traded that second round pick for him, I was like, yes, I know that guy. I read about him in the back pages of the hockey news all the time. I know him. And But I don't think anybody knew that it was going to turn into what it turned into, which was just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. So... Unreal. I, I, I say all that because it's kind of my my personal reflection story on the whole thing. And then obviously he gets here, plays unreal to begin with, gets hurt. Roman Turret comes in. He had his best stretch. And then I remember there was like, well, who's going to be the number one when Kiprasov's healthy again? That got squashed pretty quickly. And what they they won. Didn't he get a shutout the night that they clinched the playoffs? Snapped the seven-year itch. I think it was a one-nothing win over Phoenix. Yeah. And then obviously the rest was history. So that's that's kind of where Wes and I were when Kiprasov first began and the Red Mile began in uh in that in that spring. So should I read? Should we play Jacob? Yeah. Or should let, we let's hear Jake? Because I think this is very cool too. You you talk to players over the years, you know, when they're maybe celebrating a player or you, you have the stats sometimes. Well, this this is the first flame to do this since Gary Roberts or Joe Newendike or Jerome McGinley or Al McInnes or a, as a goaltender, maybe Mika Kiprasov, Mike Vernon, whatever it might be. And you'll talk to guys sometimes and, and you know, they, they're proud of the accomplishment, but they couldn't tell you a whole lot about the, the guy that they are honoring. They, they couldn't tell you a whole lot because it was before their time, or maybe they grew up somewhere else and they weren't paying a ton of attention to the Calgary flames, whatever the reason, I think one of the kind of cool side stories as you're about to show us one of the cool side stories of this is that Jacob Markstrom idolized Mika Kiprasov, not just Mika Kiprasov, but this was one of the guys that he really looked up to as a kid. Ryan Huska told us post game last night that Markstrom had a special Jersey made up to get 
autographed by yeah. Mika Kiprasov. Like you don't you don't hear about NHLers collecting autographs very often, and so I think that's really neat. We'll uh, read some texts after we hear from Jacob Markstrom. I caught up with Jacob. Uh, he did not practice on Wednesday. So uh, while the Flames are practicing, I had a chance to chat with Jacob a little bit. Just uh, the, the current number one, the first bonafide one they've had since Kiprasov's time with the Flames came to an end. Um, he was about 14, 15 years old during the 04 run. Here's uh, Jacob Markstrom on Mika Kiprasov when I had a chance to chat with him a little earlier on Wednesday. Growing up, you would have been 14 or 15 when Mika was going on that run here in Calgary. What, you were still back in Sweden at that point. Were you, were you watching? Was, was that someone that was on your radar at the time? Well, it's, uh, it was tough growing up with the time difference, obviously. So, you know, every, every game was pretty much at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. So I didn't watch. I actually think the first NHL game where I were actually... You know, set the alarm at 2 a.m. and and watch was the was the game seven, uh, Tampa Calgary. Unfortunately for Calgary yeah. and, and Kipper there, but that was the the first full NHL match I uh, I watched uh, I watched live. So, but you know, other than that NHL, it was tough to follow. It's more, you know, you see see the highlights and but uh, but obviously you know Kipper is uh, the kind of goalie as a as a fan of the the position and the game and uh, you know I uh, I enjoyed watching him play and the way he played and uh so so it's uh you know i got to meet him yesterday for the first time and it's uh you know not very often you get uh you know your eyebrows rise a little extra and uh you know it was uh it was uh it was big to meet him for me personally and uh you know his name is well known uh, around the world and you know even though he's finished it's uh, it's someone that i really you know respect and admire and uh you know it's a privilege to be here for his uh, for his retirement I, I saw that video of you meeting him yesterday. Yeah. That it was that kind of like a, you're, you're in the NHL. You've been in the NHL a long time, but is that still one of those pinch yourself type moments? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think every time you meet a a, a person, an athlete, or uh, you know anyone that that has a, had an impact, and you know you you almost get back to the same feeling you had when you were a kid, and you you know you see Kiprasov on you you know YouTube videos and all that stuff. It's not a, it wasn't as easy access as it is now with uh, you know all the social media but you know for sure YouTube videos and uh, uh, you know YouTube and saves and, and watching that growing up you you, you kind of become a little, little kid again so it was uh, you know it was, it was a cool cool thing to get to meet him and shake his hand yesterday so him being a Finnish guy and, and you growing up in Sweden, like, do you still appreciate him as a goalie or, or does that rivalry kind of cloud things growing up? No, not really. I mean, he, uh, you know, I remember I actually, he played in, Swe- in the Swedish league as well, so in AIK. So I, uh, I watched him, uh, you know, playing the AIK uh, against Brynäs, my, my hometown team. Yeah. So, so before he was a, you know, superstar, but, you know, in my eyes, he was a star already then. Uh, you know, every goal he was, that was a big dream to play in the, in the Swedish league. So, you know, he kind of took that path from Finland to Sweden and then, you know, over to North America. He had, I think, six straight seasons of 70 or more starts. He started 76 back-to-back years. You've, you've been a workhorse in your career, but to hit 76, can you even wrap your head around that type of workload? No, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing now. I'm not practicing. I'm just playing games. But No, that's, uh, you know, it's really impressive. And, uh, you know, I think I had 62 or something. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's a lot of hockey. And before, I think... Four or five over 60 before COVID hit there, uh, 
uh, overall. But uh, you know, over 70 games, that's uh, that's a lot, and it it takes uh, a, a different kind of coach too to you know allow that to happen. And you know, it takes a diff- different kind of goalie too to you know someone to take care of the body and uh, you know you know have. Uh, you know, playing good to winning hockey games, and he was doing all that and, and, and more. When you signed here in 2021, and did you kind of instantly realize you know, what that guy meant to the organization? Yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, you kind of know it before. Uh, me as a goalie, when you, when you look at, you know, when I look at Calgary Flames, it's, uh, you know, it's so many great goalies, but it's, you know, Kiprasov or because of my age and his age, it's not too too much, uh, too many years between us. But uh, you know, then you got Mike Vernon with the with the cup there, and uh, you know, those those are the uh, I feel like two biggest names for me when when you think of the Flames. And it's uh, you know, it's uh, you know what is it too around town and you know around the rink and you know what he has meant to the city and uh, and the team. Final thought. So Saturday is is all about Mika and, and a really cool ceremony. And then you you go on afterwards. Like, have you have you thought about what what it's like being the goalie following the goalies' night? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it's just, just don't get carried away and just trying to trying to keep it going. What we're doing here, and uh, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, Kipper Kipper is one of a kind here in Calgary, and uh, you know. You, all we can do is try to play our best, uh, and that's about it. That is Jacob Markstrom. Chatted with him on Wednesday morning at Winsport, and uh, it it's was, a good interview. That it, was that was a very good interview. It was, it was and, just and neat. that's coming from a Mount Royal University oh, graduate. So you know? Yeah, so <laughs> the it just it was it was it was neat to hear a goalie nerd, and I say that in. Like Jacob Markstrom's a goalie nerd. He he loves the position. He studies the position. It 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 was just cool to hear him talk about Mika Kiprasov. And they're about uh, I don't know about fifteen. I think it's uh, fourteen, fifteen years apart, something like that, uh, in terms of their age. Uh, Markstrom's a ninety. Um, so there you know there's there's a little bit of an offset there between them. But you know he's he was very much a hockey fan, as he said. First game NHL game he ever watched live was game seven of the Flames and Tampa Bay Lightning in 2004. Set his alarm to be up for 2 or 3 a.m. or whatever it was. And it's like, okay, that's uh, that's pretty pretty neat to hear a current number one talk about Mika Kiprasov the way he just did. Yeah, you can you can just hear the the respect and the admiration there and, and the fact that you know, he saw some pretty good goaltending on on both sides of the coin in Game Seven of that Stanley Cup Final, right? And so I'll never forget that Javi Bullen stop when in the dying seconds. Yeah, yeah, he he played his butt off in that series too. And yep. so, but no, I, I think I think that just adds to it. You know, it it the fact that here's this, and that's how the sort of lineage in in a franchise in a lot of ways gets passed down, right? Yep. Like we we all remember how cool it was to talk to Joe Colburn about growing up idolizing Joe Newendike or, or Jerome McGinley. Like the fact that on the other side of the ocean, Jacob Markstrom was idolizing Flames net miner Mika Kiprasov. I think it's pretty darn cool. Yep. So just read some texts at nine sixty nine sixty. Just go through them again. Just a ton of them came in as we're having this conversation. 
Um, this says, so are we seeing Daryl this weekend? Yeah, I believe he'll be, I believe he'll be part of it. I believe he's uh, part of the ceremony that's coming up on Saturday. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. My understanding is he's, uh, coming to town for the ceremony. And, and as others have pointed out on the text line, there's no Mika Kiprasov in Calgary without, without Daryl, without Daryl Sutter. He, that, knew, he knew something. And yeah. What and, he and knew. listen, the, the sharks knew too, like the, that was a second round pick. It's not like he got him for a song and, and for San Jose it turns into Mark Edward Vlasic, who there. is still in that organization. But yeah, without without Daryl Sutter going and getting a guy he was familiar with, we'd never have Mika Kira. We we're never having this conversation. Uh okay. This reads uh, from Jared and Seaton. Mika memories. One, Mike Richards used to do a hilarious bit on the radio where he would talk to Mika on a phone call after every game day. So I remember. Hello, my Richards. Richards. I remember I was working the Richards show. I remember vividly. Um, two, every time Kiprasov let in four goals or more, it seemed like the next game was always a shutout. They could somehow win 5-4. It was the best playoff game ever. Next game was a Kipper shutout guaranteed. Yes, I remember the legend of what happens after four goals go in on him during that playoff run. It was like this automatic thing that happened time after time after time. Uh, this says, Kipper was the goalie for the Flames from when I was in grade three to my first year of university. So he is basically just synonymous with Flames. Flames goaltending for me. Uh, this says Kipper, the godfather of the Red Mile. Plenty of Red Mile texts in here that I can't read. Um, this says calm, cool, collected. The 04 run, first period shots were like 20 to 3 every game, and it was always 0 0. They were never out of a game. How did they convince him to do this? The dude didn't even collect his Vesna. He was just, a, as, as Wes was saying off the air a little while ago, part of what makes him what he is is the air of mystery and intrigue that went along with the Mika Kiprasov story as well. I And I, I said this to one of his uh, former teammates. I think part of what's going to make Saturday so special is it could very well, in fact, I, I'm almost certain it'll be the last time we see Mika Kiprasov in the spotlight of any sort. Yeah. This, like, this, it's this, just this not is his not, thing. He's not going to be coming back every three or four years and getting saluted on the jumbotron he might he might come to town to visit some friends but like this might be the final spotlight moment for a guy who as someone put it to me he he never wanted the limelight he just wound up in it because of how good he was at his craft uh ben from okotoks kipper was the reason i became a goalie had flash and style his masks were unbelievable and i still can't believe the infamous scorpion save can't wait to see 34 in the raptors of the dome and the future rink p.s he was also the title of my first email address kipper.34 at i'm just gonna guess it was hotmail had to be hotmail at that time it had to be hotmail um this says i'll never forget the scorpion save against the sharks uh this says um first thing i remember from mika is the scorpion save that's from brock uh this says off the top of my head mika's first win streak as a flame with his all white helmet and san jose pads he saved the flames bacon that season still remember his stat line 1.69 goals against 933 save percentage the last minute game seven save on the cavalry the Scorpion save, the entire Vesna winning season, and the plethora of effortless splits saves. And, and so a couple people have pointed out that he did have the teal on his pads for a while. My memory for this stuff is horrible. So I must not have been there the day after the trade, but I did see the teal get covered up. Covered up. Yeah. 
Um, this from Justin and Medicine Hat. 0506, Kipper played 76 games and had a 2.07 goals against. That's unheard of in today's game and probably will never happen again. Just 76 starts may never happen again. Um, will never happen again. I do. No chance. Not the way this thing is going, right? That is as safe as Tim Hunter's franchise record for penalty minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Bill from Diamond Valley says, uh, Kipper God is the founder of the Red Mile. Um, this says, uh, what's the over under on Kipper actually showing up for the retirement of his Jersey? He'll be there. He's here. He wouldn't come. He'll be there. And he's even going to talk. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole idea that he's going to speak publicly in front of 19,289 is, is it's hard to wrap your head around that. Right. Just because that's very much not the guy that, that, yeah. We got to know when he was a member of the Flames. Hey, listen, the Flames did not just come up with the idea to retire Mika Kiprasov's jersey this past summer. Yep. They've been working on getting Mika to essentially accept the honor. Yeah, give it the thumbs up and say, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, come in and do I'll it. I'll come in, yeah. yeah. It's going to be awesome. Honestly, I, I haven't been this excited about a regular season game at the Saddle Dome in terms of covering it for... I don't know how long. Yeah, it's I think gonna, it's going to be great. It's going to be pretty neat to be a part of it. Like I, I, I'll be perfectly honest as we we wrap up this part of the the show, and this part of the hour, it'll be pretty neat to. I, I, I feel quite honored to have been the host of Flames Hockey for the night they retired Jerome's jersey, and and honestly, and this is just straight up nerd broadcasting stuff that no, but one of the proudest moments of my career was just the fact that I nailed the timing perfectly and I remember vividly. Like you just, one of those like proud of yourselves moments, right? That only a broadcaster, like a, a nerd radio broadcaster would appreciate. And I just, I remember saying, and now it's time for Jerome Ginla's number 12 to be raised to the rafters. The ceremony begins now. And the video hit as soon as I said now. I, t- I was like, I just remember saying... You you get usually you miss it by a second on either side, and and it hit. I was like, okay, that's awesome. Like you just like I did it. I did, and so just that's you, what I remember about that night too. As you should, yeah. No, and I, I only say that because you know you you think of Rob Kerr and and Jock Wilson and all of the the people who have hosted Flames Hockey and and you know to be part of something that that Peter Marr and Doug Barkley were a part of and and. It was just so neat to be able to be the host of Flames Hockey. I felt very honored and and had a ton of imposter syndrome when I was hosting the game where Jerome McGinley got his jersey retired. And I know it'll be the same thing on Saturday. It'll just be a giant honor to be even a small part of our broadcast that night when Mika's jersey goes to the Raptors. It just it'll be one of those pinch yourself moments like yeah, because I remember every part of the Jerome Ginla jersey retirement night. It was that special, and yeah, and this and, one will be just like it. And I know we have to get out to go to commercial, but you made an awesome point earlier this week on Flames Talk when you said, you know, Jerome had been back, right? He'd been back with other teams. For he, sure. He'd had the, you know, we all remember Zdeno Chera making him go out for the, the first, I believe, star spin. Like, that. he had these moments where fans could kind of say, thank you, Jerome. Since Mika Kiprasov's retirement, there hasn't been that moment, right? People have been waiting a decade plus to show Mika Kiprasov, to show that appreciation for what he meant to this city and franchise. And I think that sort of 
weight, that that maybe pent up appreciation, if that's even such a thing, is what is going to make Saturday so cool. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. There'll be more of those as we get closer to Saturday as well. It's Pat and Wes, and that's your look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West. Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in-store today. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Rolling on this hour, and we say hello to our Wednesday regular, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio, our Pacific Division insider. Is the Pacific Division playoff picture continues to get more and more interesting. I apologize for anyone hoping to get in-depth Anaheim and San Jose talk. We're probably going to skip the Sharks and the Ducks in our conversation today. Um, but there's uh, other Pacific Division teams with lots to talk about. Hello, JD. How we doing? I'm doing great, Pat. You you got to see the team that I get to see up close so often uh, in your neck of the woods last night, and uh, wow, that was uh, quite a showing by that guy who wears number eighty for LA. I thought last night. Oh, I mean, he did. He had one good opportunity, and he was stoned by. Uh, he was stoned by Jacob Markstrom, but otherwise, I was talking to, um, watching with my my buddy Logan, and and you know Logan yeah. and I, Logan Gordon and I are always up there watching the games together. It's like, is this guy? Does this guy play for the Kings? It was um, <laughs> another. It was another very listless night for Pierre Luc Dubois. That has got to be. That has got to be grinding Rob Blake's gears on a daily basis right now. It should be if it isn't. I mean, it, it was terrible. I mean, you know, you had look. He was he was absolutely responsible for one, if not two, of the goals last night for Calgary. And here he was in an opportunity. You know, the coach puts him on a line with Byfield and Kopitar, and before you know it, that trio was split up. And and the thing that I don't get, Pat, you know, when I was talking about with some Kings people today, is how does that guy get to play on the power play? playing the way he did five on five. Like, why do you reward a guy like that? I mean, it's, that, that to me, if I'm another player on that team, I, I'm not happy with that. Yeah. Well, it, and it remains a very strange, like I, I'm still, still having a hard time wrapping my head around how he can be this ineffective on, on a team that needs him so much. I like, is, is it, is it a confidence thing? Is it an engagement thing? I don't know. You've seen it all year long. Why has it been such a flop? Yeah, I mean, look, this is a guy, though, that Pat had a history of... For sure. You know, being a part-time player. Um, and, and part-time being a guy that, that's just there, you know, half the time he's there, half the time he's not. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I thought last night, like I said, you know, you, he gets put up on the top line and he's not taking advantage of the opportunity. Uh, it, it is mystifying. Uh, you know, they, they tried playing him with Quinton Byfield uh, when, when they moved Byfield, you know, they moved, they moved Byfield off the Kopitar line to put him with Dubois to try to help Dubois. And the only one that really, uh, Byfield was the guy that, that excelled me. I, a year ago, I, ne- I would never have said this. Quentin Byfield has been the best L.A. King this year. Yeah. There's no question. Um, and as it relates to Dubois, I, I, I really don't know. Uh, you know, it's it, 
it, it shouldn't be totally surprising because he's never been the guy that you can count on. And unfortunately, you know, he's not even the guy that, um, that, that you can rely on to be a support player right now. Yeah. So the Kings as a whole, I mean, we don't know what Adrian Kempe's situation is like as of right now, but I mean, that, they're a they're a hurting group right now. When Kempe's out, they've got some blue liners out. This is a group that's that's going through it on the injury front right now. It sure is. I mean, Kempe, Arvidsson, Mikey Anderson, um, you know, three three significant pieces. You know, I mean, look, and Arvidsson was out for a good part of the year, comes back, and before you know it, he's he's back injured again. Uh, so it is a hurting group right now, and. Uh, Pat, uh, they, they they just don't have any trade capital to to make this to try to make this team better. I mean, even if you put Adrian Kempe, even if he has to go on LTIR and Victor Arvidsson's on LTIR, we'll find out about Mikey Anderson. The very fact that if Kempe is out for any extended period of time, mm-hmm. that's one of the two you know potential trade chips that this team had, and I'm not here to suggest that they would that they were going to trade Kempe but what I did suggest was is that based upon what is available on this roster you know Kempe's he has a no move that kicks in next season um so Kemp, that that's why like Kempe to me was a potential trade trip trade chip if let's say you're trying to get a guy like a UC Soros um but they, you know, other than Matt Roy on the blue line, and you're not moving Matt Roy right now. So if you're LA, you know, all you can do is you're really left with trading one of your prize prospects on the blue line and, and either Brant Clark or Jordan Spence to help put them in a package with maybe a, a draft pick and maybe a guy like Arthur Kaliev. Mm. Uh, and I don't see why you would move any one of your two prize defense. And this was a, this was a, a an organization that was so rich on the blue line with young guys, but, you know, Sean Walker gone, Sean Dursey gone, Tobias Bjornfoot gone. Um, so those were three of the guys, Brock Faber gone, you know, four, four of your blue liners that, that you know, that you've moved. Um, so you, you can't, in my opinion, move either one of Spencer Clark. So if I'm, at, if I'm Rob Blake, I, my only choice is to go into that locker room and tell these guys, hey, you know, this is it. This is our roster. You want to make the playoffs, everybody's got everybody's to find an extra gear. Because mm-hmm. that's the only option, I, you know, realistically, that this team has. You know, because you look at the rest of the roster pack. Kopitar, no move clause. Fiala, no move clause. Deno, no move clause. Uh, Trevor Moore, modified no trade clause. So who are you moving up front? Drew Dow, you know, that, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov, no move clause. Matt Roy is the only marketable guy who's on an expiring contract and $3 million salary that you can move, but you can't afford to move him right now. So what you're saying is that <laughs> the, the Kings have got to figure this thing out internally, hey? They, they, I don't see any other way around it. It, it would be... It, it would be organizational suicide to trade any one of your any one of Jordan Spence or Brant Clark and another draft pick for a team that Pat look last night was the fourth consecutive game that they could not find the back of the net in the third period. 
They're four. They've got four wins in 13 games when tied after 40 minutes this year. It's not worth it. Like it's just, it's not worth it. Figure out what you want to do in the summer. If you want to blow it up or, you know, do whatever you can. But the other problem that they have, like the Kent, they think, you know, the other problem they have is just with all these, no moves, no trades. It's very, they're, they're stuck. They're really stuck. We're chatting with Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider. He joins us every Wednesday here on Flames Talk. And, you know, the, the Kings are into Vancouver for Thursday night. And as you and I are talking here, some significant Vancouver news. Uh, as Frank Saravalli over at Daily Faceoff uh, just puts out in the middle of our Kings chat that looks like significant progress being made on an eight-year contract extension with the Canucks and Elias Pettersson, which has been just a bizarre, like, it, it is, it has turned into a big-time controversial subject in Vancouver, the, the future of Elias Pettersson and uh, whether or not that's going to be something that gets done. Well, sounds like, an, and at no point did it ever feel like, you know, he has told them he won't re-sign, but I think people were starting to get worried, and all of a sudden, there you get from Frank Saravalli. It looks like something is is going positively, and things are moving in the right direction on Pedersen and the Canucks. And that's great news for Vancouver. There is a local uh, writer here in Los Angeles that works for a Swedish publication, and he sat down with Pedersen, God, I think it was just before the All-Star break, um, I've been waiting to get a copy of his article translated, uh, but he's very—he's been—he's very close with, with, with PD, and I got the impression from him after, uh, after he wrote the article that this was never in doubt. It was just a matter of what you know. I, I just think you know PD moves at his own pace. I don't think he ever wanted to leave. I don't think you know this was a way. This was this is going to be something I believe in, and it's not done yet. But I don't think that this is going to this is going to be an issue. He he will be a Vancouver Canuck, um, and but you know, look, it, it's Vancouver. It's great. I, I love it. I mean, we don't have those issues here in, in, in Southern California. Um, I love Canucks fans. They're 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 great for hockey. They 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 are passionate and they are dialed. I will give them that all day, and they are entertaining. From about 900 kilometers away as well. Um, speaking of the Canucks, so that's the good news, and wanted to make sure we got that in there on the Elias Pettersson front. Has um, has not been after the, an incredible first half of the season. It's been just okay in the month of February for Vancouver, hey? Yeah, it's been bumpy. I mean, look, they were the last team to have a losing streak of at least three games. That, that that's pretty good. That that came in February. I mean, that, that's a pretty darn good accomplishment for them. And you know, you, listening to Rick talk it after the game last night, you, you, you kind of wonder, you know, have these guys hit, hit a bit of a wall? Last night was a very entertaining game against Pittsburgh. At least the overtime was, you know, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, you know, you, you, you saw what they did against Boston uh, and a great rally against Boston and, and how they dominated them for the last, you know, the last two periods before winning in overtime. But I would think after everything, the grind that they went through, Pat, um, you know, in that first half of the year, and then, look, their schedule in the second half, I mean, it, it's, it's a grind. They've got one of the, at least especially in the Pacific Division, I mean, they've got one of the toughest schedules. They had, they've got 17 games coming out of the break against teams that are in a playoff spot. Uh, it, it's far more than, 
the other contenders in the in the Pacific Division. So the fact that they've hit a speed bump, yeah, doesn't surprise me. The other thing that's worked out for them is so is everybody else that you know that that's legitimately trying to chase them down. So um, while they're struggling, they are struggling at a good time because they still have a double-digit point lead on the rest of the division. The um, So that's the Canucks story right now, as they've got L.A. on Thursday, and then they head out to California and Vegas for a bit of a road trip. What um, what are we looking at in Vegas as they uh, come away with an impressive win over the Toronto Maple Leafs on Tuesday night? Well, okay, so here, here's, here are the Golden Knights that are, you know, dealing, you know, no, no Mark Stone, no Jack Eichel, and, you know, Compare that to like LA with, you know, they, they, they've lost a couple of tough, they've lost, well, they lose Kempe just recently. They've lost Arvidsson, but they, they were in a world of hurt and you need your big guys to step up. Well, that's what's happened in, in Vegas is the guy that won the con Smythe last year has got seven goals in eight games, Jonathan Marshall. So, and he, he was huge last night against Toronto. And that was a big character game. I think for, for the golden Knights last night, after getting absolutely embarrassed at home by the Maple Leafs, they turned around and did the favor. And, and that's what, you know, quote unquote, professional teams do. This is, we've talked about it before, Pat. This team knows how to respond uh, in, in big games. And I think for them, look, this was a big game. Uh, you know, look, from the Maple Leaf standpoint, you, you can, it's one of those dreaded games where you come back after an extended road trip. Um, and, and, and for your listeners, extended road trip for me is anything four plus games. So uh, that's what they had against Vegas. The Golden Knights took advantage of it. Uh, they were the better team from start to finish. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've needed guys to step up. And William Carlson, in the absence of Stone and Eichel, who was, who was back skating. Uh, and it would be really interesting, Pat. You know, he could play this weekend against Buffalo. Uh, that's, that's some of the speculation going on right okay. now. I think, Elliot, I think Elliot first reported that yesterday. Um, the idea that he could play against the, the Sabres and make his return. Which, of course, would be perfect timing for uh, everybody in the television industry. Uh, we're chatting with Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division well, remember, insider. Remember the, last time that, remember the last time that he was in, in Buffalo, right? Oh, yes. It was the last game. I, I sure were do. Were they throwing chapeaus and, and yeah, everything else? They, they were. He, um, he got, got a little revenge from his first trip to Buffalo. Um, yeah. Finally, let's finish off in Edmonton, who, you know, you, Vegas is is making the playoffs. Edmonton's making the playoffs. Vancouver's making the playoffs. But in what order are they going to finish? Because Edmonton is right nipping on Vegas's heels right now. Yeah, and, and, and they are. They've got games in hand on the Golden Knights, and, and they, too, have hit a bit of a, a speed bump as well. It's been a, a bit of up and down. They had the nice win against Los Angeles a couple of nights ago. They face a Blues team tonight that's given them nothing but fits, Pat, and especially in Edmonton. I think the Blues have won four of six in Edmonton, and Jordan Bennington's five and two uh, against the Oilers in his career. Uh, So this is not going to be an easy one, even though they get the Blues on the back end of a back-to-back. Look, I I think it's more important. I've said to you before, Vegas doesn't care whether they they finish first, second, third, or wild card one or two. Like, it, it doesn't matter. So... Look, it, it, to me, then it's really up to Edmonton to to find a way, you know, to get. And I don't even know, Pat, if it really matters if they have home ice or not against Vegas. If that's going to be the matchup, 
or, you know, even could it be, I mean, who knows the way LA's playing. Um, uh, yeah. Who, who knows who it is? I, I think for, for Edmonton, it's, it's more about just getting back somewhat closer to that run that they had than to where they're at right now. Um, I, I don't, I don't think it's really going to matter at the end of the day, whether they finish second or third, um, I, I, I don't think it's a big deal. I think it's just it's going back to playing some better hockey. And th- this guy who wears 97, you know, when was the last time he had a goal drought like this? Yeah, which, and, and I, I know he's uh, he's talked a little bit about that and given us some good sound yeah. clips on it. But, he has. Uh, Flames looked pretty good against them on Saturday night, I'll tell you that much. Oh, was that not fun? That was so much fun to watch. It must have been better, you know, like to be there would have been, Absolutely incredible. It was but that was like you know, that was typical or traditional Calgary Edmonton. First That's time in a while too that it felt like there was a there was a buzz in that building and yeah it was yeah. Just, it was it was a good night it was it was a lot of fun to you be know what, you know what we missed though what you know what we missed a goalie fight yeah there was no goalie fight I'll... yeah hey you know what they got we one more they got fight. one more game this year so that doesn't mean that doesn't mean it can't happen it could could very well happen when they meet in april uh thank you jd we'll do it again next week uh, we'll be two days from the trade deadline when we talk next week so looking forward to it my friend all right bud always a pleasure have a good night you too jonathan davis our pacific division insider he joins us from nhl network and nhl network radio and he joins us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline the best pizza pasta steaks and ribs since 1975 dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast or call them at 403-248-3344 for pickup or delivery as we start to wrap up this hour on flames talk thanks to wes gilbertson on twitter at wes gilbertson fun to uh uh, do some Mika Kiprasov reminiscing, which we'll do lots more of over the next couple of days as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next couple of days. So we're going to have a lot of fun chats. Uh, thanks to Shan and Cam, our producers as well. That'll wrap us up this hour, which has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution.